Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Will Mavity's interview with the director for Emancipation, Antoine Fuqua, and the cinematographer, Robert Richardson. Give thanks to God. The Lord is with us. What can a mere man do to me? Papa! I will come back to you! You walk the earth because I let you. I'm your god now. Slaves are free. We must get to Baton Rouge through this swamp. Lincoln's army is there. There are many ways to die in a swamp. Never stop believing that. She's persistent. Running, hiding, surviving. I mean, the, the big question I have, obviously, is how did you decide on the color grade decision for this? I haven't really seen a uh, Civil War era film that looks like this before. Well, a lot of it, Bob Richardson, um, we, you know, it's the picture of Peter that sort of began the journey, right? You look at that photo and you try to figure out how do you capture that reality in some way. And uh, we did a test with a camera. We flew over the wounds, we zoomed in so close, we felt like you were in a drone flying over these mountains and craters and then pulled all the way back and you realize you're on his back. Mm. We did a test and we did this and uh, it was like you're in another world on another planet. And that started the conversation about from a slave perspective, what does this world look like? Mm. 
you know, Hollywood has a tendency to make the golden light, the, you know, the, the, the right. hallmark and the, any, anyone, black, white, I don't care what color you are, under slave labor, there's no way the world's going to be so bright and beautiful for you. Mm -hmm. So that began the conversation with Bob as he went out, we were scouting, and he was sending me images back. And we sort of found that language along the prep. Yeah, we, we primarily started with things that looked exactly saying more alien in nature, what the shape of trees were like, what the swamps were like. And then we moved closer and closer because that originally it was going to be shot in color, but neither of us, I think, felt the color was the best approach to it. Right. And uh, that's why it ended up with primarily a black and white feel with these hints of color, right. which Apple was, they, they were approved, approved it. So, you know. But when they first saw it, they thought that something was wrong with the system. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Where's the color? <laughs> so I have to imagine shooting this, knowing that you were going to work this color grade, using a lot of natural light in swamps and often in either very dark locations or even at night was pretty hard, right? Tell me about some of that where you don't have a lot of light to work with on the shooting level. Well, for the two of us, there were a lot of night scenes, more night scenes than you have listed. And we realized that to actually do justice to the environment, it would be very difficult to shoot them at night without also, it suddenly takes on a whole different feeling when you light at night. And I hate to say it, but last night I was see, I saw Emancipation and then I also saw a portion of Platoon. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at some of the scenes where Charlie Sheen is caught in an ambush. And I looked at that lighting and I said, oh, my God, you know, it's exactly why we did not do it, because you're lighting something and it, it took on a much more, it was more in character, it felt more real to avoid uh, this sort of stereotypical approach to lighting, you know, large backlights, nighttime, mist, and to try to stay in the realm of where it felt much more flat and take and tone it like you would have toned a silent movie years ago with, you know, when first silent movies came out, they were toned blue for night, yellow for this, you know, it's like you had these sensibilities and then two color came in and it shifted and the whole thing. But I think he and I both felt, let's, let's, let's stick with our black and white concept and we pushed it. Well, there's, um, you know, obviously the black and white and the darkness are striking, but uh, one of the standouts of the film is its huge final battle. And I, I know, Antoine, you're no stranger to shooting action. Bob, obviously, you've also shot plenty of spectacle, but that can't have been an easy sequence to pull off. And uh, I noticed there's a lot of drone work going on in here, too. You know, that's no. Yeah. No, uh, it's more, no, it's more, actually it's not, it's, it's a cable cam. It's all cable, cable cam. Oh, okay, so so tell me about that, putting that whole sequence together. Well, <laughs> no, you go. No, 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 tell because we were going to do it as one shot. Right. Oh, oh comes my out, God. Goes all the way around, comes up over, and it comes back down, you find Will, and Will holds up the weapon. But you couldn't do it in, in, a, in a one shot or so you'd have to set up stages and days would be between the stages to get to the final shot that comes down to will mm -hmm. and at one time antoine said you know what fuck the battle man 
You get down to will, it explodes, over. Cutting out, we don't know. You may be dead, we don't know, we're gonna, that's it. And then as we were shooting- Ubi was gonna end there as a matter of fact. Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> Ooh. And it was like, okay. And then we had these, this time where we had to wait. So we kept at shooting other sequences with that longer lensing, also with a, a techno crane that was on a, or a similar techno crane that was on a, a special truck that we could get into the landscapes and create sweeping moves and overheads and things like that. But very little drone work in there. Yeah. Because the drones would affect the smoke. And we had all the explosions. And, to, and also if they get hit by explosions, also you've got a drone flying over people's head and there's a lot of safety restrictions now in that respect. Yeah, probably for good reason. Yeah. For good reason. And you know, the cable cam was able to literally move to a final stop. It doesn't just, it flew over and it could stop in a medium. Boom. And you can't do that with a drone. You wouldn't be able to get there. Yeah. No. You have to do it in reverse. We can't go to the weather. We didn't know what the weather was going to be from day to day. You know, hurricanes and stuff that were happening. <laughs> you know, you couldn't, you couldn't risk that, you know. So to be more precise, we had to be more precise in, in those shots. So the cable cam was the answer for that. Yeah. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Yeah, I have to imagine because you were shooting in what Georgia and Louisiana in the summer months, that must have been difficult kind of planning around the very kind of swampy, hurricane elements that time, right? Hurricane, tornado, height of COVID. Oof. Lightning. In lightning. The south, lightning, heat. You know, it was over 100 degrees every day. We were sweating our asses off. We had fire. And remember that battlefield, that's all, that's all nasty, muddy, you know, branches, uh, the knees to stick up from old trees. All that stuff had to be laid out. Production designer Naomi Shohan had to build that whole, you know, uh, battleground up there with the uh, cannons and all that stuff. We, we, you know, we created, that was just a big empty field that we had to come in and do all that and place the bombs safely for everyone, you know, and choreograph all the people. So that took quite a bit of time to just choreograph it. But once we locked in on it, you know, we moved pretty efficient, pretty efficiently. Yeah. How many days do you think, or I guess you would know, how many days did the battle sequence take to shoot? Not as many as you think. We did it in nine, nine days. Wow. That's great choreography. We laid it uh, out. So you mentioned this cable cam uh, earlier in the film, especially when we're kind of introduced to this world. Were those drone shots or was that also cable cam? Because I remember these very dynamic shots passing through all this smoke and grit kind of when we first get introduced to this world. Was that also this cable cam setup you had? Well, those are mostly drone. Those are drones. Yeah, yeah. Got it. So what, uh, other than the battle, what do you think were some of the most, and the fact that this was just a hot, 
COVID-y, sweaty, wet shoot. What were some of the most difficult aspects for both of you in this production? Everything. <laughs> what I'm it's, talking one about? Most, it's one of the most complex films I've ever been involved on. Yeah, everything. Wow. You know, you got to look at the swamp. There's nowhere to place cameras. You can't, there's no dolly tracking. There's no, you know, you got to get in there in order to do these sweeping moves and get the performances. You know, you got natural environment that's almost impossible to really get in and film like we did. Mm -hmm. uh, you got alligators, oh. snakes, lift spiders, <laughs> heat, all this happening at the same time. And uh, forget about the scheduling. And then you got COVID where you, you have people going down and you got to constantly try to keep the production going. Uh, then you had a hurricane that came and wiped out all our locations and shut us down for Louisiana. Oh my God. Yeah, we had to re we had to relook at locations. We had to move to Baton Rouge and find new locations. We had to redesign and rethink how we were going to film some of these uh, environments that were even more difficult to get into because now it was dangerous, and you know you can't just drive up a road in someone's property now and film because the road wasn't there anymore. Oh, oh my God! So we had like a twelve foot alligator mama protecting her eggs you know they're they're on high because of the weather they're all on high alert they're all tense so we're there dealing with that filming in these environments yeah so when am i gonna get like a uh making of apocalypse now type documentary about this production this sounds insane it's pretty insane we had a tornado uh you it was, you can't make it up yeah you can't Take it up. You know, me and Bob, you have people sitting in their cars for hours, 300 people, 400 people on battle days. You can't get out your car until you got COVID tested. So we're mm. watching the sun just, we're just sitting there together going, shit, and this is moving and it's hot. And then we got to get everybody out and then get them dressed in uniform. Oh, well, even if you have a seven o'clock call, you're not basically on set until three hours, sometimes four hours later, because it's 45 minutes for a COVID test at that time in, in the parking lot. Mm. And then 20 minutes more to get to location. Yeah, that I, I can't imagine the working of the schedule. And so you said that most of the lighting here was natural light. You were really trying to avoid using a lot of artificial mm -hmm. light sources. It, it behooved the film uh, in many ways because it, it liberated the camera uh, from having to avoid uh, elements which you would normally be utilizing to help boost boost the lighting, and uh, we, as he as originally uh, Antoine said, we wanted it uh, brutal and beautiful, and the bad lighting actually, or the harsh lighting, gave it the brutality that he wanted, and and also the freedom to be able to develop the look with the camera movement. What about some of those interior shots? Because we do go in kind of these antebellum houses from time to time. What did you do in terms of lighting sources for some of those sequences? Well, the first one is with uh, with uh, Will and his family. It's essentially just lit from those two windows that are in the frame. It's just ambient light. And there's no fill light at all. Wow. Just two, two small HMIs are placed out of frame up top to hit the white and come down and then that lit them. And it just, it for whatever reason, it worked. Yeah. And uh, it was magical, actually. I mean, that image of Will that and his wife, I mean, and the kids. 
His portraits are extraordinarily beautiful. Oh, yeah. Skin tones. And throughout the film, the skin tones, I think, are fabulous. Yeah. Um, they're highly expressive. Well, we are uh, about out of time here, but uh, what are both of you guys working on next? Antoine, you uh, got another film coming up from you soon? Yeah, we got something we're working on. I can't say it right now. Uh, of Let's course, come. of course. You, you, I, think, I think you'll be excited about it. I, I am sure I will be, yeah. And uh, same with you, Bob. Always looking forward to seeing whatever images you put on screen. So well, It could be three in a row with Mr. Fuqua. Ooh. Ooh. I, could, I could be that lucky. I could be <laughs> that lucky. And we could turn into four if we're listening to somebody else. <laughs> Ooh, I, I, I like this. It sounds like it's the beginning of a beautiful friendship, right? That's good we're stuff. on that already. That's my brother. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, guys. Thank you, man. Good day. Happy New Year's to you. Bye. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to Will Mavi's interview with the director for Emancipation, Antoine Fuqua, and the cinematographer Robert Richardson here on The Next Best Picture Podcast. You have been listening to The Next Best Picture Podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we will see you all next time. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon.